Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It is Thursday, February 25th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking Royals baseball today with Lynn Worthy. This show started as a Sportsbeat Live, where Lynn and I discussed several topics, starting with the idea of the Royals having a set lineup. Also, we get into the value of patience at the plate of newcomer Carlos Santana and how that might be able to rub off on some teammates and how Hunter Dozier is looking for a comeback season. We also mentioned a player the Royals recently added to the roster that manager Mike Matheny called a sneaky good signing. So let's get started talking Royals baseball with Lynn Worthy, who's with the team at spring training in Surprise, Arizona. Hey, good morning from Kansas City, and welcome to Sportsbeat Live, the Kansas City Stars weekly show, talking Royals with those who cover the team and know them best. And we talk about the Royals with you. Please send us your questions and comments, and we'll get to as many of them as we can. The full squad has arrived at spring training camp in Surprise, Arizona, and so has Royals beat writer Lynn Worthy. Lynn, good morning. How you doing? Good morning. I'm doing all right. Doing all right. This uh, weather out here is treating me okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Good for you. I'm really happy for you. Um, so uh, I, I don't see cactus in the back, cacti in the background, but but you were in surprise, and um, and you have uh, you've been you've been going to uh, tr- spring training workouts now for a few days, and as somebody who has been going to spring training. You've been going for a few years. I I, I went for for several years before that. I, I you know I remember when I was there, just how um, you know you, you get there really early in the morning. Uh, you walk from field to field, uh, observing the workouts and talking to you know Royals officials. And that was of course in the pre COVID nineteen era of life. I'm wondering. What the first spring training in the post-COVID era, I guess technically last year, they, they got in a couple of days post-COVID but uh, before shutting it all down. But uh, since you've been down there for a few days, I just wanted to get your perspective on how spring training works in, in a COVID era. Uh, did, has the Royals schedule changed much since uh, you know in, in now or are they doing things pretty much the same as always only with, with masks on? Well, I'd say that the on the field, the drills, the PFP, the pitcher fielding practice, all that sort of stuff is exactly the same. Everything else is different. <laughs> I mean, everything else from the, the timing, because they're not really going early mornings right now without before the games because they're doing um, – because you don't have games yet. And they're doing um, – sort of middle of the day is when the workouts start, the group workouts start, um, where usually that would be early in the morning. Um, I think part of that is to make sure they give themselves times for testing and to make sure that, you know, if there's anything they have to get cleared up with anybody's, you know, status, they can do that in the morning and then make sure everybody's out there on the field by the middle of the day. Um, 
the the way they're spaced out. I mean, I wrote a story, I think it was last week, talking about Matheny, the, the way they've got the guys spaced out. They're using the two clubhouses. You've got guys on the minor league side in that clubhouse as well as the major league side, but there's no minor leaguers here. So they're basically just spread out over the whole facility. Uh, most of the weight room stuff has been moved outdoors so that you're not sort of packing guys into sort of a one enclosed area where everybody's sweating and huffing and puffing and making it like a Petri dish. Um, guys are wearing masks. When you go out to the field, you see guys going from one field to another with masks. Uh, you see the coaches and support staff wearing masks the entire time they're out there. Um, basically, everybody who's out there is wearing a mask. Um, even the players, like I said, when they're in between, when they're on the field, they, you'll see some of them take it off. Some of them are keeping them on. Um, but, yeah, it's um, it's complete. And everybody who's out there watching and that, and that is wearing a mask, but there's not that many people out there watching. I mean, I think uh, I used the line, the closest thing to spectators, because spring training, you can usually have people out there. People will walk right up to the backstop and watch live batting practice and things like that. Um, none of that's out there. The only thing the only thing close to spectators are, you know, myself, a couple other reporters, and, you know, John Sherman, Dayton Moore. <laughs> that's, that, that's your crowd. <laughs> so that's um, – so it's a really, it's really different um, compared to past years. It makes it a lot quieter out there at spring training. You don't have sort of that natural buzz sound, the, the hum that you get with, you know, fans and kids and stuff like that. That's, that's def- definitely different this year. I've always told people that um, baseball fans who who like going to spring training or want to go to spring training, maybe who have never been, that listen, the games are fun once the games start, and for the Royals, that that begins on on Sunday. But I thought the time before the games uh, was was even more fun. If you if you're talking about having access to to the players and seeing the types of things that you'd never see, right? Uh, drills and and being able to sit in those bleachers right behind the plate on, on those fields, I just thought was a, was a great opportunity for fans. And, and if you're, if you're an autograph hound, it was a good time to get autographs. And, but as you said, none of that, uh, none of that's possible this time this year. And hopefully we can get back to that at some point. You said no minor leaguers are there. Why, why is that this year? Yeah, except for the few that were invited to camp, but there's going to be a separate camp, minor league camp, that's not going to be running at the same time. It's going to be running later because they um, partially because they just limited the number of guys that are here. And then the minor league season is going to get a later, later start this year because of that. So you'll have some guys who are here for big league camp that are going to be in the minors this year who will actually have an extended sort of spring training because they'll be here. The gap in between uh, the end of uh, big league camp and minor league camp, they'll stay here and then they'll take they'll jump in minor league camp. So, um, but yeah, there'll be. Um, it's not like you've got hundreds of guys running around. There's seventy, I think it's up to seventy three now that are on the, the roster that are out there, and they're spread out over so many fields. There's you know, I think it was maybe a day the first day. I don't think I saw a couple of guys at all, just you know, out there on the, the four fields that I was sort of uh, in the middle of. Um, I don't think I saw Whit Merrifield the entire first day just because of the way guys were spread out. And even uh, I think Salvador Perez mentioned it the other day that, you know, they don't stretch all in one group. They're stretching on separate fields. So it's it's everything's more spread out to sort of keep the uh, keep guys spread out, uh, sort of socially distanced and also keep the idea of, you know, if somebody does get sick, try to limit the, the spread that that could potentially have. Right, right. Okay, well, you've been cranking out the stories, and uh, and one of those involved uh, Dayton Moore, general manager Dayton Moore. Beth, let's go ahead and play the clip, and and then we'll uh, we'll talk about that uh, when we hear from after we hear from Dayton Moore. One thing I do know, Len, if, if we're we're going to win a world championship, this is going to be the season that we expect. I mean, we're going to need all of our players to to do well, 
stay healthy and, and whether they begin the season in the minor leagues uh, or, or not. I mean, we're going to need them to come up uh, to Kansas City and help us win a game, stabilize the bullpen, uh, make a spot start. And yes, I mean, some of the young players, it may make more sense for them to begin the year in the minor leagues. So they're getting the necessary reps. I mean, historically, we don't um, think it's in the best interest of the player or the success of the team to have a young player as a, as a part-time guy uh, or bat off the bench or just an extra pitcher. I mean, you want to make sure that, uh, you know, they're developing in a way that when they do come up, they're going to be impactful. And Dayton went on to say that the the lineup is pretty much set, as I uh, use air quotes. Uh, uh, and, and look, I think we, we kind of understood that going into spring training with the offseason signings that they made. If you go around the horn, you know, Carlos Santana at first, uh, Nicky Lopez at second, uh, Mondesi at short, and Hunter Dozier back to third base with Salvi behind the plate, Benintendi in left, um, uh, Whit Merrifield in right, and Michael um, uh, Mike Thomas, the, the new center fielder. So Michael Taylor, yeah. Michael Taylor. I'm, I'm, yeah, thank you. Um, but you look; th- those are the we knew that right going in. But to, it, it, to me, it's interesting to hear a, a front office, uh, you know, the boss say that that uh, you know, you've, you've got your you, you know you've got your team set. And I can remember actually hearing Ned Yo say the same things when the Royals were starting to get good in, in 13 and you know that it, it's when, when you're coming to spring training with position battles that means you don't have you know positions right you, you're you're probably not uh, you're not going to be strong at those positions but um, but that that's uh, I, I, if I guess if there's an interpretation there that's it's good news that that the lineup is set. Yeah, it seems like it's it's a sign that they've moved forward from that stage where you had guys, they still had to find out what they had in certain players and they had to see how they would, you know, fare at the big league level. Like now it seems like, at least in their mind, they have established guys at each position as opposed to where it was like, you know, even up until a couple months ago, it was what well, we – Franchi Cordero is probably going to get the first shot in left field. And, you know, we're going to give him every opportunity to play every day in left field to start off. That's different than saying Andrew Benintendi is the starting left fielder, and that's the guy. Uh, you know, and, that, and they can do that at basically every position now as opposed to, you know, like last year, you weren't sure what you were doing in the outfield. You didn't know if, um, you know, if Witt was going to be playing a lot of center, if Dozier was going to be playing right, if Witt was going to be playing some second. We we're going to see, you know, Bubba and Brett Phillips getting some center looks. Like it was, there was, you know, a lot of if then maybes when it came to certain positions. And then you had the first base job with O'Hearn and McBroom was sort of up for grabs. And so there's a lot of moving parts. You finally move to a point now where it's like, this is the set lineup and we're going forward with this. And that other part that, you know, that Dayton was referring to is that that sort of trickles down to the bench and how that means how you're going to set your roster because you know you have a sort of a set lineup that you're working with. Okay. Hey, I want to, there's, I want to talk about the bench and, and one player in particular. But before we do, let's take a, let's take a guess at the batting order. How do you think it's going to? I think it's going to shake out. It seems like the Royals have some options of what the, what they want to do here. With and I'll 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 go start from the bottom. I think Nicky Lopez will bat ninth and and Taylor will bat eighth. But uh, but I could be wrong about that. So well, how do you think it's going to go? I think those. Well, yeah, I, I'm th- I'm thinking it depends. Part that I'm wondering about is how he's going to set up the top because I could see Wit 
And I could see Ben Benintendi because, um, you know, they both sort of seem that type of profile guys where you could put them one, two. That gives you a right left. Um, I'm not sure who they put in the three hole if they want to go with somebody like, you know, Mondesi because of his speed, because he's got that that power potential. Um, not sure. I mean, last year, I think we saw a lot of Salvador Perez when he was, you know, when he wasn't on the IL batting third. Um I don't know if you want to go with more of a guy like Santana, who, you know, switch hitter, who's got that high on base um, uh, percentage historically. Um, if you want to put, I mean, you got Jorge Soler, who, you know, a couple of years ago led the American League in home runs. So, and you saw him bat two a couple of times last season. And Mike Matheny talked about a guy like that wanting to get him more at bats because, of, you know, just the, sort of taking that analytic approach to lineup construction. So there's a lot of different ways you could go with that. Um, I, I wonder about maybe Mondesi because then, you know, you, you don't put him behind some of the other guys and it gives him a chance to run. Um, but you, again, you could also say, well, you get some on base guys in that spot for when you get, uh, you know, Jorge and Salvi and those guys coming up to the plate. Um, so I guess maybe right now, if I'm just guessing, um, I guess I'd st- maybe stick with um, uh, Mondi, then go Mondi to. Yeah, and then maybe go um, shoot. Yes, yeah, I, I still, I'll keep going back and forth. Today, this is this will be today's lineup. Today's <laughs> lineup. Uh, February February twenty fifth. <laughs> yes, the February twenty fifth lineup. Uh, I think I'd go maybe um, Santana, Soler, um, Salvi, Dozier, or Dozier Salvi. Maybe go Dozier Salvi, and. Uh, then you start getting to, let me see, I guess, how many you're is that? You're down to seven. I, I think yeah, you're down to so seven. So seven. then now you're Taylor at eight and, um, and, and, and Lopez at nine. So uh, what, what that does, uh, we've talked about this in the offseason. You talk about lengthening the batting order. That, that absolutely, if you're, if you're talking about either Dozier or Perez in the seven hole, you have absolutely lengthened your, your batting order. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I think, I mean, I want to say Salvi – I mean, you got to go back to some of those teams that were making runs to, to find Salvi batting that low, I want to say. <laughs> I think so. And, look, Alex Gordon batted eighth in the postseasons of, uh, um, of 14 and 15, at least 15 for sure. And that's how – and, and uh, Alex Rios was hitting ninth, the guy who you know they, they were getting home runs from. So that's, um, th- that's the importance of, of lengthening a batting order. And, of course, last, you know, last year and the previous years – You'd get down past five, six, and you, you know that was you, that was it. Yeah, the last couple of years, seven, eight, nine had been just that. That that been you know you drop off the cliff there in terms of consistent production. You had some guys who might be able to hop up and have a game here and there, but consistently, seven, eight, nine was uh, was rough sledding. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening.
Okay, let's. Um, how about a rotation then? Uh, you know, I was thinking that uh, you know the Royals were pretty much set on you know the February twenty fifth rotation: Keller, Duffy, Singer, Minor, Bubich. Um, for you know, for now, but there there are some circumstances here that could change things, like uh, off days early on in the season, and um, um, and, and then uh, you know the the fact that. You know, some of these, you know, some of the pitchers didn't, you know, haven't thrown major league, you know, a lot of innings in, in, in the major leagues. So how do you think it's going to shake out? Well, I think if they're, and I'm, and I'm still not 100% sure if they're just going to go with five because, um, and, and actually early on, it's probably more likely they go with fewer than five. Um, but as you get into the everyday play, I wouldn't be surprised if you saw six. But um, early on with the game spread out, I don't think they need a, a fifth guy for, um, maybe more than a week or two into the season, um, so it would be inter- that's that's going to be interesting to see who's the guy who maybe gets skipped or who gets pushed back. Um, but that five that you said um, makes a lot of sense. I also still think um, you know a guy like Jacob Junis probably factors in if no for no other reason than the innings that he's pitched and that he's pitched consistently and he's pitched more out of that starting rotation. I mean, Miner is new to that rotation, but of the returners, um, he's had more uh, you know innings pitched the last couple of years than anybody. I mean, I think Duffy had a couple of years where he had some injuries. So, I mean, you go back to 1819, Junis was the innings work workhorse of that uh, staff and the number of starts he's made. So, I mean, he's probably, um, he, I wouldn't be surprised if he pitches some in relief this year, but I don't think that's going to be exclusive because I think they're going to need innings from him. Um, Irving Santana is in camp on a minor league contract. Another guy who's a veteran who's had innings, you know, maybe he's more depth, but at the same time, Season like this, it, don't be surprised if you see him. I don't know if we'll see him right out of the gate, but you see him at some point making starts just because, um, you know, they may need those innings. Um, and then you have young guys, you know, Jackson Coar, Daniel Lynch, two of the top pitching prospects. Uh, right. Daniel Lynch, viewed by many as one of the top pitching prospects in baseball, um, is knocking on the door, been knocking on it since last year. I think we'll see him this year at some point. I just just a sense, but uh, um, it seems like the bigger questions then are at the maybe the end of the bullpen and and then on the bench. Uh, I did want to ask you about one player in particular whose name has surfaced and is really interesting, Hanser Alberto. Um, tell us how the Royals acquired him and what his value might be to the Royals. Yeah, well, he was one of the many free agents that was just sort of out there to be had. And there's still plenty of them right now, the way <laughs> baseball is going. Um, but he was uh, non-tendered by the Baltimore Orioles. He was, he had started at second base for them this year. Um, hits left-handed pitching really well. I think over the last two years, it's something like a 390 batting average against left-handed hitters. It's something great, ridiculous like that. Um, doesn't strike out a lot. He's a, a high contact guy. Not going to necessarily hit the ball out of the ballpark a whole lot, but um it's lefties well. It started at second base. It started at different places on the infield, including third base and shortstop as well. Um, and so he was just out there to be had. They got him on a minor league contract, and I, I assume he's going to be a key bench piece for them. Guy who can play multiple positions, hits lefties, could play second. Um, if you have injuries and you got to shift guys around, he gives you some flexibility there. Um, so, yeah, and I think um, I asked Mike Matheny the other morning, and, you know, I, we hadn't really asked him about it, and he said, you know, that. He said, that's a sneaky good signing. He said, that's what I, I call that a sneaky good signing. Um, so, yeah, he's, it's always a good sign when a manager likes you. 
Yeah, yeah. So in his last full season, in 2019, he hit, I think, 305 for the season and 500 plate appearances for the Orioles. He seems like a younger version of Whit Merrifield, uh, just a, a guy who could play every position and, um, and, 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 is, and, and can make some contact. So I'm kind of excited about him. That's, that's a, um, that was a name that wasn't on, you know, that I didn't consider until, until I read about it uh, in, in your story. So, um, hey, I want to talk about somebody else. Uh, Carlos Santana met the media earlier this week. And, uh, and what, a, you know, what, what a big offseason acquisition Santana is um, locking down first base. What, and what a ripple effect, right? It makes Dozier gets to move back to third base, his, his more natural position. But in Carlos Santana, they get a player who – they get a lot of player who does a lot of things. He's, he's a good defensive player. You know, he, he's, uh, he's, got, he's got some pop in his bat, even, even at his age. His last full season, he had a career high. I think it was 34 home runs in 2019 for, for Cleveland and a career, career high RBIs. You know, his numbers fell last year, but I just think this, the 60-game sample size is so, um, so skewed that it's just difficult to, to, to draw any conclusions from that. But one of the great attributes for him is his patience at the plate, and you asked him about that on um, on Wednesday this week. Beth, let's play uh, Carlos Santana's clip. He said, God give you that ability for be patient. But, you know, I know he's very important for the team and, and, and I don't try to change. This is my approach. If um, the most pay what I'm, what I'm making, the more what I help to my team. So um, I try to help to couple couple guys like Mondesi and Soleil, they asked me about that. Um, and I tried to um, help to to more guide to my teammate, uh, um, patient, try to be patient to the home play. I'll tell you, Lynn, I was fascinated by that answer when he said that he talked to Soler and Mondesi about about that, that, uh, that you know, that having a, a more disciplined eye at the plate can be, can be, can be taught. Um, I, I never thought about that. I kind of always thought you, you're either that type of hitter or you weren't. And the fact that he's communicating with a couple of the, the free swingers on this team, I think is a good sign. And, and if, if, um, if Salvi and Mondesi can draw a couple of more, you know, base on balls this year and increase their on base percentage and, and they can get the type of that's just a bonus, right? Because uh, what they're what they're expecting from Santana is, you know, the, the the type of player he was in his last full season at Cleveland. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you know you get sort of almost uh, two different things that you say in there in that clip where you know for him he feels like it's a, almost sort of like a God given thing, but he's also trying to pass it along to some of his teammates, and you know it'll be interesting to see how much of a change that makes. But Hunter Dozier said something interesting just the other day about that. He said, you know, a guy like that who gets on base so much, that means his approach is really good. And he said, and what that means also is that guys like him can go to that, go to that hitter and ask him what here, what his approach is against that particular pitcher they're facing that day. And maybe it gives them something else to look for at the plate. It gives them a different way to think about their at bat. And so, whether it means everybody's on base percentage is going to, you know, raise significantly during the season, probably not. But maybe it means that they've got a different mindset when they're going up to the plate. Um, they're looking for something different. They have better at bats against somebody because of the way that Santana approaches things. So that'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. 
And the fact that <clears throat> he has played so well against the Royals in his career, I that is, you know, his success against the Royals and in Kauffman Stadium, uh, he's got his career high. He's had more success in that ballpark than, than any uh, outside of, you know, his home park in terms of his career numbers. Of course, he got to face Royals pitching <laughs> in those years, and some of those years were 100-loss season years, so that, that tells you something. But 31 career home runs, 93 career RBIs, and Kauffman Stadium is a member of the Indians and, and the Phillies the one year in Philadelphia. I don't know if he played against the Royals in 2018 when he was with Philadelphia. But uh, anyway, big numbers against the and a, a three. I think it was a 327 batting average, a 449 career on base percentage at Kauffman Stadium. The, the Royals uh, would love to see a little bit of that rub off on, you know, on, on teammates. So, uh, so looking forward to seeing Carlos Santana in a Royals uniform. And Lynn, you also, uh, you, you mentioned that you, you, you talked to Dozier and I, I there was a story uh, you've already written about Hunter Dozier this week, another fascinating player for 2021 in that, you know, <clears throat> here's a guy who, was actually running shoulder to shoulder with Jorge Soler for the first half of the season a couple of years ago when Soler ended up being, you know, setting the, the Royals home run record with 48, uh, uh, 48 that season. But for the first few months of that year, Dozier was right there with him. And he went on to have a terrific year, right? 26 home runs and uh, was, uh, you know, had, had, had basically fulfilled the promise of, uh, you know, of, of the prospect and then 2020 happens, and he may have been as affected by, you know, COVID-19 and, uh, you know, in the shortened season as much as anybody. What, what did you learn talking to Hunter Dozier? Yeah, in 2019, you know, um, he also, I think he was one of the, it, just to underscore sort of his athleticism, because he's a big guy, and you don't necessarily think of him as, a, as necessarily as athletic as he is. But, I mean, I think he had as many triples as Mondesi and Whit Merrifield. Like, they were all tied for the, the league leading triples that year. Um, and the guy who's played infield outfield. But uh, Dozier, remember, his his COVID was right as they were getting ready to start their um, exhibition game last year. They had that um, – with that three exhibition games. I think it was the St. Louis one was the one when we found out Dozier's got COVID. He's going to be missing, you know, the start of the season on the IL. And so then when he came back and he mentioned it last year when and he, he sort of, he doesn't, he doesn't like to mention it. He mentions it when asked, but um, it took something out of him, even when he was on the field last year. I mean, he missed the first, I think it was 16 games, went to the alternate site, got into the games with the, with the big club and, you know, was, back in the lineup, but he still didn't feel himself for a little while. Um, and so, and he said, you know, the lungs, just the wind, all that, that took a while to get back. So even when he was playing in the big leagues, he didn't have all that. And then um, the interesting part that you don't necessarily, at least I didn't think of was he also mentioned that when he did get back in his mind, he was like, okay, I'm only going to have about 40 games. And he was pressing once he came back because of that, knowing that he didn't have that much time, that he wanted to make an impact. He wanted to help the team. And the part that where that jumped out, he said that when I went back and looked at it, the part that jumped out is his numbers with men on base um, were way below what he had the year before. And I think part of that is where you can see him pressing, trying to do more than he probably um, could. So looking for a bounce back year from, from Hunter Dozier. And I have to think, and we've mentioned it a couple of times, it's just going back to third base, likely will will help him look he would have played anywhere he was asked but uh 
but now he's going back to the place where he had his best season, which was uh, was third base in, in in 2019. So, all right, Lynn, let's uh, let's set up the the rest of the week and and uh, and, and the and, and the talk about the Royals' first game when that is and uh, um, when and where against who. Tell us uh, tell us about the rest of the week in Surprise Arizona for you. Yeah, they're 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 going to be in camp the next couple of days. The first game is on Sunday afternoon. Um, in surprise, they always start off with a game against the uh, the Rangers, who they share the stadium with in surprise. So that's going to be Sunday. I think originally it was Saturday, but they revised the spring training schedule. So that'll be Sunday afternoon now in surprise stadium against the Rangers. Uh, fans will be able to attend. I think it's going to be a fewer than 2,000. Um, I was in the ballpark the other day just watching, and they were spraying down every seat. They had a drone in there that was spraying, and they had a person walking around and spraying individually, and that's, you know, a few days out. Um, they did have uh, college games in there this week, too. The day I arrived, K-State was actually playing in, in the Surprise Stadium. Um, so, But, yeah, for the next couple of days, it's just going to be camp days, and then the first game Sunday, and then they hit the ground running with the actual Cactus League games. Okay, well, I hope you're you're your your shorts are pressed and you got enough golf shirts to you know to stay comfortable down there over the next uh, several days and uh, hope you enjoy the weather in a big way. So, uh, Lynn, great catching up with you, great chatting with you, and Beth Welsh, thank you for producing today's show. We will talk to you again next week on Sports Beat Live, talking Royals. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. A tip of the cap to Lynn Worthy for stopping by and talking Royals. Links to his stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. And what a time to subscribe. The Royals are at spring training. March Madness is right around the corner, and it is never not chief season. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports, news, features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage, national coverage, with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at accounts.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of the offers, you send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com. I'll get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Friday with another episode.